At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Tuesday show for you. Bill James, one of the great baseball minds of our time, will join us. We'll talk some baseball, Mets, Yankees, awards, any sleepers he likes, get his thoughts on uh, Otani, we discuss a bunch of things with Bill, so looking forward to that. Uh, and we'll start here with baseball. We'll get to Kyrie Irving here in a minute, uh, begrudgingly, as it's one of my fe- least favorite topics, probably one of your least favorite talk topics too, and we'll get to that in a second here. We'll start the show though, like we start many of these shows. The Yankees win, the Mets win. Mets have a day game against the Marlins. Scratch out a run early, bad defense by the Marlins. Tack on throughout the game. Peterson does a decent job, bouncing back after a bad start against the Brewers. And they win the game 6-0, game stays under. We gave out the Mets. We had a good day because we gave out the Mets, the Yankees, and the Yankees under. Went 3-0 on the picks. Uh, and the Mets... Hold serve because the Braves ended up uh, with a good game against the Giants. Freed against Webb, a pitcher's duel. It was 1-1. The Giants had their opportunities late to take the lead after Atlanta scored early. Giants came back and tied it. Uh, The Braves ended up winning. So the Mets and Braves win. No blood there. Mets hold their five-and-a-half game lead. They start a series tonight in Houston. Remember, they have this weird stretch where they play Marlins, Astros, Marlins, and then Astros again before their schedule gets a little easier July 1st. They play the Rangers, then the Reds. Then they got like an easier stretch. But this next, not that the Marlins are, are, you know, this difficult team, but just kind of a scheduling quirk. And the Astros obviously are really good, and the Marlins have pitching. But just a weird uh, scheduling quirk here where they get Marlins-Astros, Marlins-Astros for like 12 games or so here. So 
They start a series against the Astros tonight. It is uh, Jose Urquidy against Trevor Williams. Williams has been pretty good for them. You know, ideally he's a six, seven starter, and if all their pitchers were healthy, which obviously is not the case, he would be either in AAA or a long man out of the bullpen. Emergency starter type of guy, but he's pitched pretty well. Uh, the odds here, Bet Rivers, Astros minus 125, total eight and a half. I'm going to do something I don't do very often. I'm going to pick against the Mets, and that has not been a wise investment this year. Usually when I'm picking Mets games, I'm picking the Mets. They've been very good to betters. I mean, if you look at the return on investment, the Mets are one of the more profitable teams on the league, as are the Yankees. And, boy, look at these teams' records. Yankees 50-17. and 17. Mets are 45 and 24, just a combined 95 and 41. It's incredible, these two teams. But uh, tough matchup. You know, American League ballpark, American League lineup. Not that, that matters anymore because you're on the DH, but still, this is a good Houston lineup. You know, their stats aren't what you expect them to be, but they're going to run away with that division. You still have Altuve and Bregman and Brantley, and Alvarez is kind of an underrated star. So I think this will be a tough matchup for Williams. Maybe even look for a team total over four and a half here for the Astros. I think Williams. Uh, it's going to get hit tonight. So I do like the Astros. Uh, and again, the Mets hold serve. They win, but the Braves win as, you know, if you're the Mets, you know what? Scherzer sounds like he could be back Sunday. The rehab game uh, is tonight. So if all goes well, he will pitch again Sunday. And boy, if you can never get this thing back to seven and get the ground back, I don't know, a month, three weeks, he's got to face hitters at some point. So he's not like he's around the corner. But I think seven's the line where it's like, all right, you feel comfortable because you could get swept two series in a row when Atlanta could sweep two series in a row and you're still up a game. So seven's that number. It's almost like a three-possession game in basketball where, you know, if you get this thing back up to seven and you wrestle it back up to seven, you'll feel good. You feel good now. Five and a half. You're playing well. You're getting contributions uh, from a, a bunch of different guys. Alonzo's been great. You have to worry now. McNeil left the game with what looked like a leg injury, a hamstring injury. So... We'll wait word on that. It seems like every day the Mets have a, an injury scare, whether it's Marte, uh, Alonzo last week, which they got lucky with both of those. But, you know, Scherzer, McGill goes out with a shoulder. So the, the Mets get one pitcher back and they lose another one. Who knows McGill when he comes back? Could you move him to a bullpen role? I know we discussed that last week. And that's actually, that was something just top of my head. You get Hey, you got all these starters. McGill's stuff would actually play in the bullpen. Well, I guess that's something that's been uh, discussed more and more. But again, the shoulder injury throws a, a wrinkle into that. So, Mets-Astros tonight, uh, I do like the Astros. I think it's a tough matchup for the Mets. Tough tough matchup here for uh, for Trevor Williams as the Mets are still minus 235 favorites to win the division here at Bet Rivers. The Yankees, boy, just a, uh, a tough night for Garrett Cole haters. haters. Uh, since that Minnesota start, he has just been lights out. 13 innings, one run, 19 strikeouts. Uh, just a, a dominant performance. 12 strikeouts last night against Tampa. And they take him out, and Holmes actually gets dinged. He didn't get hit very hard. I, you know, I was in the car, so I didn't see the first hit because he came in with a two-run lead, man on first, and the Rays got a double. That one I didn't see, but with second and third, one out, he gets a soft ground ball to get the runner over, and the runner on second advances to third, and the runner on third scored, obviously. And then man on third, two out, next batter, just uh, you know, an infield, a swinging bunt, basically, infield single. So basically, the ball doesn't leave the infield, and they got the two runners in from from second and third on, in two consecutive batters. Even if Holmes got hit, you can't knock him. He's been great. He gets out of the jam after that. You know, it wasn't his sharpest performance. He did walk a guy, uh, but Holmes first time he's given up a run since opening day, which is just incredible. So 
Maybe it's a good thing that Holmes gets one out of the way. Look, no, nobody's going to make them all. Nobody's going to save them all. It's like a kicker in football. I mean, unless you're Tucker, unless you're, you know, who had a perfect season a couple of years ago? I think Lidge had a, a perfect season more, more than a couple seasons ago. I think maybe 10 years ago. But very rarely do you get a perfect season from a closer in terms of no-blown saves. You're going to blow one, two, even three, the good ones. I mean, Mar even Mariano was never perfect. Hell, even in the postseason, he had plenty of uh, – not plenty of hiccups. But, look, if you're in the postseason – Year after year, game after game, you're going to have some hiccups. And uh, Holmes gives one away tonight. Not gives one away, but does get touched up. And the Yankees bounce right back. Donaldson with a single. Hicks hits a triple off the wall. Hicks, Hicks hit the ball, stood there like he hit it 30 rows deep. The ball gets off the wall. It's almost caught. Margot, I think, got seriously hurt on the play. I had to get carted off. That was a scary incident. Hicks ends up with a triple, ends up scoring 4-2. to two. Uh, they used Holmes in the eighth because, you know, better part of the order. So Peralta comes in the ninth. Uh, bad defense by LeMahieu, a walk, two on, one out. You're figuring out, man. Sometimes these crazy games have another twist and turn to them. At 4-2, uh, Peralta gets a strikeout, and then he gets Mejia to end the game. So the Yankees win it 4-2. Uh, the Red Sox actually passed the Rays for third place by half a game. Yankees now just a, you know, look, we're going to talk about it every day. It's just, it's over. The division race is over. There is no division race. They are a full 12 games up on the Blue Jays. You can forget about this thing ever being competitive. I mean, we talk about the Mets being, getting a seven game lead, having a cushion. This thing is just over with. When you're 50 and 17, you're, uh, you're, you're going to have a cushion here. And the, the Yankees are gone. You can forget about them in the AL East. And boy, it was just a week ago, they were minus 300. And now they have a 12 game lead. Um, over the Blue Jays, 14 over the Red Sox, uh, and they're gone. They're gone. It matter. It's a matter now of four or five weeks from now, who do you get at the deadline? Do you, do you tinker with the chemistry? That's an interesting question. Do you want to go out there and bring in a guy like Contreras from the Cubs to catch and risk ruining, you know, upsetting the apple cart here with the chemistry? Uh, you like another bat, although Gallo's come to life a little bit. Even Hicks has come to life a little bit. Uh, does that prevent you from making a move? You, you know, they could play a little better here, and then you come October, and these guys, you're looking for another bat, and you say, well, we didn't want to upset the chemistry. That could go either way. So that's something to think about. I think the Yankees will be very cautious. This That's just their nature now, cautious with money, cautious with prospects. They're not going to go sell the farm. They're not going to give away, you know, these shortstop, the Peraza, the Volpe, obviously Dominguez. If something makes sense and they can off, you know, offload a, a mid-level prospect and get like a Benatendi or a Hap, I would assume they do that. They'll definitely get a reliever. I could see David Robinson. I, I really expect them to get David Robinson. They'll get one bullpen guy. Maybe they even get two bullpen guys. Uh, remember, Herman might be on his way back. So that could be a bullpen arm. They obviously don't need a starter. And once you get to the rotation, which is it's going to be a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Cole is going to be the one, either Severino or Cortez, some order two, three. You figure Tyone four. If they were down one, and this is getting way ahead of yourself, if they're down 2-1 in the division round, would you pitch Cole in game uh, four on short rest, or would you just go tie on? That's something to worry about. But it's probably, again, we're far away from this, but you know, if all these guys are healthy, knock on wood, and, and the Yankees have been incredibly healthy with the pitching staff, not, not to jinx it, uh, not that I have the ability to jinx it either, I would think Montgomery would be the guy. Now, his stuff isn't typical for the bullpen. He's not, not that overpowering hard thrower, but just – by you know a, a numbers game, you'd have to sort of move him to the bullpen. It would be an extra arm, so that will help the bullpen. Herman could possibly help the bullpen, and then I'm sure they'll trade for one guy at least, whether it's Robertson, somebody else. Robertson's uh, done a nice, pretty nice job here closing for the Cubs. So 
that could be an option. I'm sure they'll add one guy. The question is, you know, what kind of bat do you do you bring in a starter? Do you bring in a big name Wilson Contreras? Cubs are going to want a lot back. I don't know if the Yankees are going to go that route. So uh, Yankees uh, in action tonight. Cortez against the Rays. Rays are going with uh, an opener. So there's no listed pitcher. We're recording this Tuesday morning. Rays still haven't announced a pitcher. I would think it's a bullpen game. Remember, this spot in the rotation came up uh, four days ago, five days ago, that Thursday where they played where Beeks ended up being the opener. They went with a bullpen game. Weisler came in and pitched you know, three, four innings, two, three innings after that. And they just kind of piece the game together. I think that's what they're doing tonight. So they haven't announced a starter. Whoever starts, it's going to be a reliever. They're going to throw an inning or two unless there's a change of plan. So that's built into the line here. Yankees minus 160. Total is eight. Uh, I would expect Cortez to do a good job against this lineup. This is just not the same Tampa team. It's hard to it's hard to believe this Tampa team won 100 games last year. I mean, it really is. It's just they're bad defensively. And they're not good enough, good enough on offense to be bad defensively. And the pitching's not the same. You know, think about it a few years ago. They had Glasnow and Snell and Charlie Morton, and they were in a World Series. Well, none of those guys were around. Charlie Morton's in Atlanta. They were too cheap to pay him. Remember, 14, 15 million bucks they could have kept around. They said, no, thank you. We'll move on. Uh, Glasnow's hurt. Snell's on the Padres. Even a bunch of these other pitchers are hurt. I mean, McClanahan, who pitched last night, is just incredible. He has a chance to win a Cy Young. It looks like he's throwing a 100-mile-an-hour wiffle ball out there. Everything moves. Everything cuts. Uh, but remember, Nick Anderson, the great reliever, he's hurt. They're just not the same pitching staff. They're not the same defense. So this Rays team, I'm not sure uh, if they even get in the playoffs. That's not a team that would really scare you. McClanahan would scare you in a game one. But other than that, this is not the typical Rays team in terms of the pitching, the defense that we've seen. Uh, obviously, uh, Franco's a big-time player, and McClanahan's a great pitcher, but this is just not a uh, a vintage Rays team. It's hard to believe they won 100 games last year. So I like the Yankees. I like the Astros. That's the the, uh, the baseball situation. I think we covered that. Before we get to Bill James, I guess I'm just obligated to discuss this. Uh, rumors that Kyrie Irving and the Nets are at an impasse. Remember, he has a player option. He wants a long-term deal. He wants more money. I'm just... Boy, there's plenty of places you can go to listen to Kyrie Irving talk. He, this place is not one of them. I, I don't. I just have no energy to talk about Kyrie Irving. It's always something. The reason we bring it up, it's not even the Nets because I do think he'll be back with the Nets. As bad as, not bad as. I don't know what the word is. It's not ideal to pair him with Durant. You ideally like a more reliable superstar, a better rounded superstar, somebody who's more dependable on the court, off the court, somebody who can defend. Uh, Kyrie's obviously got a great skill set, but you know, he's not that dominant two-way player that you like with Durant. The Nets with Durant were just small around him, whether it's Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills. Uh, who was the other point guard? They're playing Curry. They're just playing a lot of small guys. So you'd want somebody who's more of a two-way player, even if he didn't have all the issues, injury issues, whatever obstacle that keeps him off the court, whether it's social justice. Remember, he had that issue a few years ago. Uh, the vaccine, which I have no energy to get into now. But there's always something where it's just like he's never on the court. Remember he took two weeks off for a birthday party a few years ago? I just – he's not somebody you trust. you got to really question Durant for leaving Golden State to team up with this guy. Meanwhile, Golden State's still winning championships, and you're stuck with, with Irving, who's unhappy about his contract. Really, the only reason I bring this up, I do think he'll be back with the Nets. Uh, the Nets are obviously a New York team, and they're a title contender. But the Knicks are dragged into this. The Knicks were reported as one of the teams interested. 
Uh, also, the Lakers. The Lakers are the one team that actually makes sense because you figure you can offload Russ and say, you know what, we'll trade you our headache for your headache. Your headache's a little younger. Your, he your headache's a better player. We'll put Kyrie back with LeBron, with Davis. Hopefully those guys are arrested, motivated. And we got a nice little trio. Hey, look, I don't like Kyrie as a player. If he's my second best player, okay. We saw him win the title with peak LeBron that way. But if he's your third best player, if you got Davis needs to bounce back, if you put him with LeBron, Davis, Kyrie, that's a, that's a pretty good trio. Plus you can offload um, Westbrook, which is, just, you know, Kill two birds with one stone. So the Lakers are the one team that actually makes sense for. If I'm the Knicks, I want no, no part of this guy. Absolutely no part of this guy. First of all, he's in his he's 30 now. Uh, I want no part of this guy. He's always hurt. Like I said, even when he's got no obstacles in terms of the social justice, the vaccines, the whatever keeps him off the court. He's a guy. He just doesn't play 70 games. He's always, always dealing with some sort of injury. Going back to Duke, remember, uh, at Duke, he... And he's exactly 30. Remember at Duke, you know, he missed most of that season. He came back for the NCAA tournament. And when he came back, they lost in the Sweet 16 to, I think it was Wisconsin. So it's, uh, I don't trust him. I don't trust him on the court. I don't trust him off the court. I want no part of this guy. And he's not, look, we talk about the Knicks need a star. You need a different star. You need a guy you can hang your hat on that's 25, 26 in his prime that you can win a championship with. And I know Kyrie won one with LeBron, but. Look, you don't have peak LeBron on this team. I would want no part of Kyrie. I would want no part of Kyrie on a long-term contract. That's the one thing the Knicks, you can give them credit for. They're kind of a, in a dead end right now. They're kind of in, a, in that middle no-man's land where they're not bad enough to be picking in the top three, the top five. They're not good enough to be competing for even a, forget a, a championship, forget an NBA Finals, forget a conference. You know, they're not even a conference finals team. A second round team, they're not even. They're in that middle ground where their peak, their absolute ceiling is a playing team. And being competitive maybe in a first round, going six or seven, if they drew the right opponent and things broke right, maybe you can get to like a sixth game in the first round. That's their ceiling. So do you go all in here and bring in Kyrie Irving uh, you know, to that kind of team? The one thing they have done, even though they're in no man's land and they're in bad shape, they haven't done what they've done in the past, which is chase older players with long-term contracts and overpay for them. That's the one thing. At least they're not hamstrung with guys. Now, Randall's one they are hamstring with. Uh, you know, he gave them a great year two years ago, and they ended up paying for him. And if they could undo that right now, they would. That that relationship is obviously soured between the team, the fans. Uh, and Randall, obviously hostile towards the fans. That's one you'd, you'd like to undo. But chasing free agents, chasing, you know, consolation prizes. There was that summer where... They couldn't get LeBron or Wade or Bosch, and they had money to spend, and it was just burning a hole in their pocket. So, hey, here's a bunch of money to Amari Stoudemire, who gave him a good half a season, and he gets hurt. The, the Knicks have avoided that. The Joakim Noah deals, the Stoudemire deals. Like I said, Randall, you would do over again, but Randall, you could at least see where they were coming from. He was a borderline All-NBA player that year. You could at least see where they were coming from, where you know he wasn't that old. He played extremely well. It was a mistake, but I think it was a well-intentioned mistake. This would be a disaster. This, if you're the Knicks, you have to absolutely avoid it at all costs. You can't do it if you're the Knicks. You just can't do it. Uh, even if he fell into your lap and you got you, you were able to get him for absolutely nothing, I'd say, you know what, from a talent perspective, maybe. But I don't want to give this guy five or six years. I mean, he's this is a guy, if you're hurt in your you know, early 20s, mid-20s, even late 20s, how are you going to be healthy as you get into your 30s? And that's that's not even including the, the off-the-court stuff with, uh, you know, the vaccine, which is not an issue anymore, but 
Um, I've, I've heard people quote other people in the league saying, you know what? You got to wonder what's next, whether it's a vaccine, social justice, disappearing for birthday parties. It's fair to wonder, hey, once this issue is resolved, all right, that's going to be it. Or is, is there something else three months from now and then another one eight months after that? Like, when does it end with Kyrie? When does he just, you know what, settle down? It doesn't seem like he's a bad guy. You know, he seems like he's very charitable. He's, uh, you know, he's got a good heart. He, it's not like he's an awful person or anything, but it just seems he's very difficult to get a read on. He's very moody. You can't count on him. You can't trust him. I would want no part of him if I'm the Knicks. And I don't really love having him on the Nets, but if I'm the Nets, I just, I don't know what other options there are. First of all, it's, uh, you know, the salary cap rules are tricky, so it doesn't sound like they can just replace him with another star. And again, he's not an asset because he's so unreliable. So it's not like you can just say, you know what? We have this guy that's really talented. We'll trade him and you give us your guy who's, who's really talented, who's not a pain in the neck. It's not going to work like that. Another team doesn't want to take him on. He's not locked up. You don't know where he wants to play. So he's got some sort of control in that situation. And it's not a good free agent class. So I don't know where you're going if you're the Nets. If you're the Nets, you can say, we don't want him. Well, all right. Well, who do you want? You can't, it can't just be Durant and nobody. Simmons is coming off a major back surgery for all the people saying, uh, and I don't love Simmons either, but all, for all the people saying Simmons you know, was faking this injury, he's soft. Simmons just had a major back injury, which makes you wonder if you can got, you know, what, what can you count on from Simmons? Simmons has plenty of issues, including on the floor, including off the floor, including injuries. Uh, I mean, this is a major back surgery for a guy who relies on his athleticism, his size, his speed. Now he's dealing with a back surgery. So kind of a mess here for the Nets. I don't know where you go. You got Durant, who's not the best player in the league, but he's right there with Giannis, maybe 1B, even with the bad playoffs. But you don't have a lot around him. You don't have a lot of maneuverability. I don't know where you go. I don't know where you go. I think you probably just try to come to a compromise with Kyrie Irving and say, you know what, when we have Kyrie and we have Durant, we're at least, you know, we got to rebuild the rest of the team. We got to get more size, more defense, but we're at least in the conversation. I don't know. They're kind of stuck. They're kind of stuck. They do have Durant, but you know, it's like they have picks. They traded all that for Harden. They got something back in the Philly deal. I mean, they got some of them back. They recouped some of those picks, but uh, kind of a kind of a sticky situation. It's, it's what happens when you get into bed with these superstars. They kind of run the team and uh, they they run it really into the ground is what they're doing because this has been a disaster. Remember when Kyrie and Durant came to the Nets, they were a fun feel good story going in the right direction. They made the playoffs. They had you know a scrappy team. Now you would trade that in a second for superstars, but when you trade it for superstars that want to call the shots, remember they got rid of Atkinson. Atkinson was doing a good job as the coach. They brought in their guy Steve Nash. It's just uh, you're kind of at their mercy, and uh, you got to wonder if Durant. And it's just you got to wonder what he's thinking. He's watching Curry win another championship, and I know how he felt. I, I understand that he felt he wasn't getting any credit, any recognition for those titles, and look, part of it is rightfully so. I mean, he did play great in those finals, but look, he joined a 73 win team, so I think he thought, you know what, I'm going to go there, I'm going to win a title, all my problems are going to go away, people are going to give me the love I I crave. Didn't happen that way. He got annoyed and he ended up leaving and he felt like it was Curry's team. But boy, teaming up with uh teaming up with Kyrie Irving is a bad bet. We talk about good bets and bad bets on that show. This is a that's a bad bet getting into business with Kyrie Irving. So he's stuck. He's kind of made his bet. I don't know where you go if you're Durant. I don't know. But I, I know if I'm the Knicks, I want no part of that. No part of that whatsoever. Uh I'll wait. I'll I'll do whatever. I'm just, I'm not going to give this commit five years to Kyrie Irving. Plus it doesn't even make my team that much better. 
just throw Kyrie Irving on this team with Barrett and all these other guys. Yeah, they're a little better. Kyrie Irving's a really good, a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. Probably going to the Hall of Fame uh, just because everyone goes to the Hall of Fame. But it's not like he's going to take you to that conference title, you know, conference finals. Maybe you win a round if he's on your team. Maybe if things broke right. if you j And that's if you got him for nothing. If you had to trade some of these younger players, who knows? But uh, look, if, if the answer, if the question is, do you want Kyrie Irving? The answer is no, and you don't even have to finish the question. If I'm the Knicks, I want no part of it. So, uh, if I'm the, if you're the Knicks, I just you, you can't you, you can't do this. I know you're kind of stuck here. You kind of have itchy itchy fingers. You want a superstar, whether that's Mitchell, whether you talk yourself into Kyrie being that guy. You got to get someone at some point, but a 30 year old guy who's always hurt, who's always dealing with something, uh, it's not something I want any part of, especially if you're giving him a long term deal. So. That's the NBA. The draft is Thursday. We'll spend some time on that in the next couple days. Uh, again, Yankees win. Mets win. Both teams in action tonight. We like the Astros and we like the Yankees. Coming up, Bill James. Is there a sleeper for the MVP? A sleeper to win the World Series? We'll get his thoughts on Otani. Any changes the game needs to be uh, that need to be made to the game? We'll get his thoughts on a bunch of things. So looking forward to that. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Let's talk a little baseball. He is a baseball writer, historian, statistician, uh, really just an overall legend. It is the great, and I mean great, Bill James. Bill, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me on. Red Sox are creeping back into the respectability. Yeah, I, I will get to that in a minute. I guess we got to start with the Yankees. Uh, this is a team that struggled a lot of last year, a lot last year, inconsistent. Um, how do you explain their turnaround and, you know, what do you attribute? How surprised are you, you know, by this success this season? Well, as to how I explain the Yankees having a good year, I would guess that uh, um, the uh, the devil rolled a good number in his dice game and, and uh, elected to to favor the Yankees. The um, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but uh, I think it helped a whole lot to get Gary Sanchez off the team. Uh, I mean, I don't know how in the world it could have taken the Yankees five years to figure out that Gary Sanchez behind the plate was not going to work. Um, and I think that that's, uh, <clears throat> that's been a, a big help to them this year. Do you look at this as a historic team? The records would suggest they are, but I, I, you know, I watch them every day. There's certainly holes on the team with Gallo and Hicks and, you know, the shortstop doesn't have a home run. Do you view this as a historic team? I wouldn't view if they were 66 and 0. I wouldn't view that as a historic team at this point in the season. I'd wait until the season's over to put that kind of a label on them. The um, uh, the uh, but uh, I mean, if they were 66 and 0, obviously that would be a historic run. But you know, that's not a that's not a decision you make in the middle of, middle of June. How much? Let's just say they win. I don't know, 108, 110 games. Do you think having that kind of season, having that kind of a gaudy win loss record? puts extra pre pressure on them come October, considering, you know, they haven't gotten a World Series in 12 years. They're going to finish with, I don't know, 105, 110 wins. Does that put extra pressure on them come October? That players are under great pressure to win at any time, The you know, except the last 10 days of a bad team or something. But uh, 
generally the the pressure on all of the playoff participants to win, and I don't is great, and I doubt that it's any greater because they've had a they would have had a tremendous season. Let's operate under the assumption that they're the best team. We can you know argue the Dodgers, some of these other teams. Let's just say they're the best team for for argument's sake. Uh, how much does it matter being the best team when you get in October and you're dealing with such a small sample size? Now we're dealing with the best two out of three in the first round, which the Yankees you wouldn't think would be a part of, but how much does it matter that, it, you know, that you're the best team considering you're dealing with a best of five and a best of seven series. If, if you're actually better than the other teams, it's a significant edge. I mean, it, it, what you say about being a, a three game series and anybody can win or, you know, for that matter, five game or seven game series, anybody can win, but basically a, a in a seven-game series, a percentage edge doubles. It's, uh, mathematically, it almost exactly doubles. So if you have would have a uh, a sixty percent chance to beat a game a team in a in one game, you'd have a seventy percent chance to beat them in a in a seven-game series. Or if you have a, a fifty-two percent chance to beat them in one game, uh, you'd have a, a fifty-four percent chance to beat them in a seven-game series. So if you're significantly better than the other team, it it does matter. The, uh, you know, I'd like to have fewer teams in the, in the postseason so that the best team wins, but that's not the, what we're dealing with. And, and there's, there's some chance you can lose, even if you are very, very, very good. Does this extra wildcard team annoy you? The, when they did five and you knock off one of the wildcards right away, I thought it incentivized winning division. Now we're adding even another wildcard team. I mean, who knows when this ends? We're up to what, 12, 12 playoff teams. You think this is too much? Well, I have decided to accept good-naturedly all of the changes that they make in baseball, uh, and and so I will. So if you ask me if I'm annoyed by it, no, not really. But the uh, if it was my choice, we'd do it the other way. We would have gotten rid of one rather than adding another one. When you look at a guy like Cortez, really, you know, he was he bounced around, lucky to be in the big leagues, you know, at some points, hanging on for for fighting for his career. And now he's in the mix to win a Cy Young. He's on the short list of candidates. Can you go back and dig through anything he's done to try to figure out that this was possible? Like, is there was there any way to see this coming with a guy like Cortez? No. Well, I mean, pitchers are unpredictable, right? And there have been lots of guys. Well, I don't know. Lots of them may have been overstated. But there are quite a few guys who come out of nowhere, nowhere to win a Cy Young award. And uh, the – the nature of pitching is if, if you can gain command of one pitch that you didn't have before, you know, that's, you can, you can make a huge improvement in one year. The, uh, and I'm, it's happened a lot of times. So I, w- I wouldn't say I'm shocked by it, but did I see it coming? Absolutely not. Uh, you, you alluded to the Red Sox earlier. I asked him Kirkson the other day, he said over, I'll give you over under three and a half playoff teams from the American league East. Uh, would you go over or under? Uh, I would guess that the one team from the Central Division, the Guardians or Twins, uh, will, you know, you got you got four teams there. They're unlikely to all keep playing well to the end of the year. Probably one of them will stumble in September, and I'd guess that either the Guardians or Twins. By the way, I want points for remembering to say Guardians. The, uh, I'd guess that either the Guardians or Twins will uh, will take one of the the places. Any idea who would get left out here? The Red Sox have played much better, as you've said. Uh, they even got Sale, hopefully, on the way back. You have all these on the IL. Even Paxton, if they can get something out of him. Do you think – I would think the Blue Jays would get in. You, would you expect it to come down to the Rays and the Red Sox? Who would you kind of handicap for that 
that one spot if you only think one of them gets in. I think the Red Sox will finish stronger than the Rays will, I believe. I think the Red Sox are genuinely good. I know they start out 10 and 21, and it takes a long time to overcome that and get back in the race. But I think they're genuinely as good as they, as good as they were some years when they won it. When you look at the NL East, uh, you know, the Mets five and a half game lead. It was 10 and a half at one point. Do you think they have enough to hold off Atlanta? Atlanta's played much better, had a 14 game winning streak recently. How do you handicap, you know, how do you uh, size up the NL East race? Uh, well, I hate to say, but it almost doesn't matter. I mean, one, one team will win and win the division and have a small edge in the postseason. The other will be right behind them. The, uh, you've got to bet on the Mets. The Mets look, you know, the Mets, it's almost a coin flip whether by the end of the year the Mets or the Yankees will have a better record, I think. When someone like DeGrom hasn't pitched in almost a calendar year now, how much concern is it? Three things, getting him back, keeping him back, and then uh, expecting him to be the level he was beforehand. Exactly. That's you, you mentioned Chris Sale, and I know a lot of Red Sox fans are banking on getting Chris Sale back, but it's been a long time since Chris Sale was was uh, able to get on the mound and stay on the mound and pitch well. And, and you know, sure, it'd be wonderful for Red Sox fans if it happens, but I'm not not betting on it, you know. DeGrom, it's been a little while, but uh, there are very few periods in his career when he's struggled, and I would I would put more weight on his coming back than I would on sales, to be honest. The Dodgers, not the typical Dodgers team we've seen, not you know, not the deep pitching, Mays hurt, Bueller's hurt. You know, they're de- dealing with a lot of reclamation projects in terms of you know Tyler Anderson. Uh, some of these other guys, it's really, it's not the typical Dodger team we, we've seen. Mookie Betts is now hurt. How much of a level of concern would you, uh, you know, put on the Dodgers right now? They're still the favorite, betting favorite to win the, the whole thing, which I kind of disagree with. Uh, where are you at here with the Dodgers? And you think, you know, we'll bounce back and, and we'll see them playing deep in October. The, I think it was, I think they'll bounce back and play deep into October. I don't know that they're going to, you, you can't, it's, Historically, very few teams have sustained the position of being the number one team in baseball for you know more than two or three years, and the Dodgers have been very close to that for several years. But I wouldn't bet on them to win the World Series at all. I mean, I wouldn't bet if they if they play the Astros again. I'd bet on the Astros. You know, the uh, uh, but the uh, the Dodgers are very very good, and I I do not expect that. I do not anticipate that San Diego will be able to keep up with them for the rest of the schedule. Uh, last year, Atlanta, boy, they were almost out of it. They, you know, Acuna right. gets hurt under 500 for a while, right around 500, come out of nowhere, they win a World Series. Do you see a team this year that's not not to say that's going to happen this year or every year, that's kind of rare what happened, but is there a team kind of lying in the weeds around 500 off the radar that you could see, you know, winning a World Series or making a run? The Cardinals are only like four games above 500 and they can play pretty well. No, I honestly, I don't see anybody out in the West. There are two pretty good teams in the Central, but I don't see anybody who's down and out in that division who would make a run. So I guess my answer is no, I don't see anybody. Uh, let's get to the awards before I get. I ask you some just some general things about the game today. Uh, the American League MVP, Judge is the favorite right now. He's basically even money. You can have Judge versus the field. I think if he doesn't get hurt, he'd have a great chance to win, obviously. NL, uh, it's it's Goldschmidt is the favorite right now. Bet Rivers, Betts and Machado both suffered injuries uh, over the weekend. Anyone other than those guys I mentioned that you think can kind of come out of nowhere and win an MVP in either league? Well, uh, the uh, Devers is having a sensational year for Boston. 
the and he wouldn't be coming out of nowhere. He's I mean, he has more total bases than Judge has, I think. He's having a sensational year and he certainly would not be coming out of nowhere. The uh, uh, I don't have anybody else top of my mind. Maybe one of those young players with the with the uh, Blue Jays could could come out of nowhere. What do you think? Yeah, not impossible. I think at this point, you know, so much of it is the story and the fact that the Yankees are going to win, like we talked about, between probably 105, 110 games. If Judge stays healthy, he's going to hit 55 homers. The whole thing with the contract here, I think Judge is going to be hard to beat. The one guy I would worry about would be Otani, just because, look, if he does 90% of what he did last year, it's still looking at 35, 40 homers, a three-something ERA. I mean, that's still impressive. I feel like uh, people are kind of not tired of it, but people have gotten used to it. Let me ask you about Otani. How impressed are you? I know there's been some pushback now that, you know what, his batting average isn't this. You know, he struggled pitching until a couple starts ago where he's pitched well. How impressed, you know, as somebody who's been around the game as long as you have, are you by Otani? And do you think we could see more guys like this now that he's done it? I wouldn't say that he's done it yet to the point at which I know he won the MVP and all that, and he deserved the MVP. I'm not questioning that. Uh, I don't, but he, people are not going to imitate him on a sustained scale until he's able to do this for more than one year. Uh, it, what he's trying to do, I mean, the problem with what he's trying to do is that, is that it puts tremendous pressure on you. And over a period of years, uh, it's, there's a good chance that it results in, well, I was skeptical that Otani was going to ever going to, what he, what did he wait three years after, after he got to the U.S. before he really put it together? It's, it's hard to do that and it's hard to sustain it. And I'm not convinced yet that he's going to be able to sustain it. And I don't think that the period when people allow their young players to try that will arrive until he sustains it for you know, longer than he has yet. Have you thought this was possible? I mean, like I said, you've been around the game for a while and, you know, you go back to these kids that play in high school, they're always the best hitter and the best pitcher. Have you thought for a while, you know what, this could, is something that teams should try. Have you seen players in the past that you say, you know what, uh, this is a guy that could probably do both and play two ways. Every year in the draft, there are guys who, uh, who you debate, would you, would you put them on the mound or would you, uh, the, or would you, Put him at a position. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck with the Red Sox was an outstanding pitcher in college. The um, there are always guys like that, and uh, the because the organization always needs pitching, the scouts are always saying, you know, let's put him at pitcher. Whereas I was always trying to argue, and I always lost, but I was always trying to argue, you know, put him at at the position if he fails as a position player that you can wait three years and put him on the mound and he'll be better off for having rested his arm for a couple of years. If you put him on the mound and if, and he fails as a pitcher, it's too late to try him as a, as a position player. Nobody ever believed it. That's still my argument. The, um, there are lots and lots of guys. I mean, I guess the best was I'm blanking out of the name. There's a pitcher with, uh, with Cincinnati 15 years ago, his name started with an O son of a gun could really hit and Cincinnati made him a pitcher and, you know, his career average is like 350 or something the, uh, in the majors. But uh, I guess the short answer is yes, there, if it's proven to be sustainable, which I think is still 
very much an open question. But if it's proven to be sustainable, yes, there are lots of other guys who can try it. When you when you bring up sustainability, do you mean in terms of injury? Do you mean in terms of performance or a little of both? Uh, more injury than performance, but yeah. yes, a little of both. I mean, I always think of this, you know, Mike Schmidt in, in college was a, a switch hitter. And I think it's the last year he switched batting right hand. So he was a second round draft pick. Then you people wonder why was Mike Schmidt a second round draft pick? It's because he was a switch hitter. And the, um, the having to work on both hitting from the right side and hitting from the left side, and he was a good left hand hitter. But having to work on both of those things um, drained his, divided his attention, divided his energies, and, and limited how much he could succeed. Well, this is the same problem on a bigger scale. Uh, the, um, and I, well, I would, I still believe, regardless of what anybody else says, that Otani would have had a better career up to now if he had been one or the other than he has had trying to do both. And, uh, and I just, I still don't, maybe I'm the last guy to buy in, but I'm still not buying into that level. Interesting. Yeah. I think back at USC, you'll probably remember this better than me. Randy Johnson was a hitter and Mark McGuire was a pitcher and they were teammates. Is that right? I, I, do, I can't tell you for sure. That's true. I, I know I, I have so. looked up McGuire's uh, pitching record in college and it's quite good. Uh, it was, it was, I think his career record in college was something like 27 and 11 or something. The, uh, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the whole, whole package is true or not. Yeah, it's amazing. You go through th some of these guys and, you know, what they are as amateurs, whether it's, you know, high school basketball, high school football, these they, they play every sport and they're, they're good at every sport. It's amazing. You know, the athletes yeah. these guys are right. uh, back to the awards. Uh, you know, McClanahan's the favorite in the Cy Young. Him and Verlander are basically co-favorites for American League Cy Young. You go to the National League, Alcantara, who's just been incredible this year. NL Cy Young, uh, anyone off the radar that you, you kind of like besides the favorites? Uh, I question whether Alcantara can sustain it. The, uh, and, uh, I mean, Joe Musgrove is having a great year for San Diego, but my favorite would be, would be Max with Atlanta, Max Street. The, um, I think he's, uh, I think he's great every year. He's been great this year. And, and I would bet that he, by the end of the year, he's on top. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Freed about 15 to one here at Bet River. So that's, uh, that's a good one. Is there anyone you see on a team that's struggling that you like? I, I think I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there anyone where you're like, boy, I just, or, or anyone that you were wrong about that you expect to turn it around or, you know, that that's struggling on a team that, you know, cause we look at clay Holmes with the pirates and he's just out of nowhere and he comes in and he's just one of the best closers in baseball. Is there anyone that, you know, you see on another team where he's like, that guy needs to be better. That guy in a better situation, you know, would have a better career. It's almost absurd for me to mention this, but years and years ago, I thought, when he was 21, 22, I thought Nomar Mazara was going to be a great player. And, you know, what is he now? 27, 28, hadn't done anything. But this year, suddenly, he's hitting 320-something. So uh, there's a name I'll throw out of that category, even though it may not exactly answer the question you're asked. No, it's uh, it's true. I think everybody has ones where, like, you're so certain this guy is going to be good. I remember, I think it was Gordon Beckham who was a high pick, and he just – he looked like a, a – he's going to be a really good player and he just never panned out. It's, it, it's unpredictable as much as, you know, you watch this stuff and people that are the best at it still, uh, nobody hits them a hundred percent. Um, let me get your thoughts here. Just the general, the game in general, obviously the pitchers are extremely talented, uh, swing and miss stuff. Is there, are there any changes to the game that you would make? Are there any changes to the game that, 
you would reject. I went to a minor league game a couple of weeks ago. They had a pitch clock. I think that might be coming to the majors. Is there anything like if you're commissioner for a, a day, a week, anything you would change, anything you wouldn't change? Well, the number one thing to focus on is, is uh, getting the batter, stopping the batters from stepping out of the box between pitches. And they've chosen to do that by a pitch clock, which puts the pressure on the pitcher to throw. But the, uh, the better way to have done it was to simply stop. I mean, you know, you, I'm sure you know that a batter cannot call timeout. A batter can only ask for timeout. Right. And, and if you simply instructed the umpires to not call timeout, uh, when batter call, asks for timeout to step out of the box, the umpire says, no, stay in the box and hit, uh, that would have been a much more direct and easier and better solution to the to the delay of game problem. The uh, I understand that you'd get a lot of pushback from hitters and coaches and everybody, but so they've chosen to avoid that by going the pitch clock route. But I still think the other way would have been better. Do you think we ever get to a point where they move the mound back? I mean, these guys throw so hard now. I know there's a kid from University of Tennessee. I think Ben Joyce's name. Post the ball 104, 105 miles an hour. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where it'd be better for the game to actually move the mound back? Well, the point when they should have started moving the mound back is 1928, to be blunt. The, uh, uh, the uh, strikeouts have been increasing and increasing and increasing for more than 100 years because the uh, pitchers always get bigger and stronger and throw harder. And you cannot move the mound back 18 inches or something like that ever. And the, because, I mean, pitchers have spent their whole lives learning to, to uh, make a curveball break or a slider break so that it is at a particular point, you know, 60 feet, six inches from where they release it, or since they all throw from front of the mound, 55 feet from where they release it. But anyway, the, uh, you, move the, you move the mound back 18 inches or something and every breaking pitch is a wild pitch or nearly every breaking pitch so the pitcher has to totally relearn how to how to pitch and just can't do that what you could do is move it back two inches every two years i mean it, it, it could do and should do is start edging it back so that you know in the course of you move it back two inches every two years in the in the course of 12 years it's back by a foot and it starts to make a a difference, but you can't do it suddenly. It's, it's just it's just totally unfeasible to do it suddenly. But if you if you if you if you really want to do that, you have to do it a tiny bit at a time. How about the shifts? Where are you? I think they're banning the shifts next year. You know, to an extent. I know one side of it is you know what, play your position. A blind drive up the middle has been a hit for a hundred years. It should be a hit. Other people say you know what, Bill, nobody tells Bill Belichick where where to line up his safeties. I, I, so I see both sides of it. Uh, where do you stand in terms of the shift and banning it? Uh, I'm fine with the shift. I enjoy it, and I'm fine if they ban it. Uh, you know, I said I've decided to accept. You know, I don't. They don't ask me, so I've decided to accept whatever the rules they make. But I, I'll look at it this way: all of baseball's problems, all of them, none of them were caused by anything the league did or the owners did, um, other than the financial problems. Uh, the, the owners and have made a mess of the financial problems, but the, but uh, all of the pace of play problems were caused by things that the players have done and the managers have done and the coaches have done all of them. It's the, it's, it's the managers who decided we needed to 
change pitchers constantly until they began to regulate that. It's the batters who decided they're better off uh, uh, stepping off the out of the box between pitches. It's the pitchers who decided they needed to throw to first base all the time. I don't think it's a good principle that you just let managers and coaches and players make decisions that change the way the game is played forever. And it's never been a good policy to just let them do it. The policy always should have been that uh, we decide how, how the game is most interesting for the fans and we play the game the way the fans most enjoy seeing it played, not the way the players want to play it or the coaches want to play it, but the way the fans want to see it. And so if you're, if you're changing the rules because you want to move the game back to more the way the fans want to see it, I'm great with it. I don't have it, you know, I would, would I do it myself? No. I don't think that the shift has anything at all to do with baseball's problems. Uh, people just imagine stuff about the, tying it into the, the uh, strikeouts and homers. It doesn't have any actual connection at all. Uh, so I wouldn't do it. But if that's what they choose to do, that's all right with me. All right, Bill. Well, this was a lot of fun. Is it hard to believe? I mean, the, the Yankees now have 12 years without a World Series appearance. The Red Sox have won, what, four titles since 2003? Is it, is it, I'm sure you take some pleasure in the fact that roles have kind of reversed here the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, well, that's, yes, I do. But on the other the Yankees have, what is it now, 28 straight winning seasons or 29 or something. So it's not like the Yankees have fallen into it into a, a deep cavern and can't, haven't been any good. The Yankees have been great for almost all of that time. It's just uh, that uh, with the, the modern postseason structure, they, uh, they have not picked up a World Series, I guess one in the last uh, 20 years or something. The, um, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I wouldn't overestimate the, the problems the Yankees had. The Yankees had still a, Yankees and Dodgers still the strongest franchises in baseball. Do you think the fact that George Steinbrenner is not in the mix anymore, do you think that hurts the Yankees in terms of, look, they just don't go out. They still spend, but they don't spend, you know, they're going to get this guy and that guy. They don't just, they're not as aggressive. Do you think that hurts the Yankees? Well, it's not, somebody not being there, you can't say that it hurts them. I mean, the, uh, the Red Sox are hurt by the fact that Ted Williams can't play anymore because he's dead. <laughs> The, uh, I wouldn't phrase it that way, but I do think that if that, that Steinbrenner's death uh, changed the Yankees and yeah. did contribute to uh, the fact that they have not won as many world championships as they once did. Bill, this was a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you let everyone know, uh, you know what you're up to and where they could find your work? Uh, the uh, I think I'll pass the opportunity. I'm, I'm trying to sort out what book I ought to write next and uh, – and uh, I don't really have anything to sell at the moment, so I'll pass. Well, next time, well, whenever you do, you're always welcome on this podcast. Hopefully we'll catch up down the road and do this again. This is a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure to meet you, and thanks for doing this. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Bill James. Enjoy that conversation. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk plenty of baseball. We'll talk some NBA draft. See you guys tomorrow. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.